0: This is recording number 10974, from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, February 26, 2012. This is the second message in the series titled, Unleashing the Power of Family. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Making of a Marriage. Well, today we're going to continue the study that we began last week uh, called "The uh, Unleashing the Power of Family. And I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, and if you don't have one, to raise your hand and let us put one in your hands. And uh, So if you don't have a Bible with you, stick your hand up in the air, and Usher will bring one to you. And then get that Bible open to the book of Luke, and uh, that's in the New Testament, and then chapter 8. And I'm going to ask you to do something else with your hand while you've, some of you have one in the air waiting for a Bible to come to you. And you're turning again, remember, to Luke chapter 8. Um, I'm wondering how many of you, and you, you don't have to answer this if for whatever reason you don't want to, but um, how many of you are over 25 and, uh, <laughs> wait a second, there's more to it, over 25 and not married, not currently married? <laughs> Okay, keep it up. So take a look around, everybody. Okay, There's a lot of folks here for whom that's true. And um, I'm going to be talking about marriage today. But I I, I wanted to have you guys uh, raise your hand a minute ago because we have a lot of single adults, a lot of uh, homes led by single adults in our congregation. And I don't mean by uh, what I'm going to be saying today As though I'm sort of ignoring so many of you what I'm actually gonna do today is to teach through you and that means that's whether you're married today or or not regardless of your current status I want to teach through you today to the people you know because if whether you're married today or not you know people who are and God has placed you in their lives for a reason And uh, not that you'll preach to them, but you will have opportunities. You already have had opportunities to speak into their married life. You know, when they come to you with their complaints, and you can either side with them and chuckle with them when they joke about their husband or wife, or you can speak something else into it. And I'm I'm hoping today to be able to deposit into your life, out of God's word, some stuff that might make an alternative uh, offering that you could present to them. I'm also wanting to teach through you today to your kids because you, um, whether you are currently married or a single parent, um, you have an opportunity to change the, the arc of your family's life for better. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm hoping to teach through you today. If you are married, I want to teach into your marriage out of God's word. And we're looking at... Luke chapter 8 And we're going to read Verses 4 through 8 And talk about The making of a marriage How to build A lasting love And by the way I should say that uh, As we make our way Through these messages On family Between now and Easter um, I'm going to For those of you Who raised your hands A a little earlier To say that you're A a single adult I'm going to be uh, Specifically addressing you in the coming weeks as well the challenge I I hope to uh, I'm preparing to talk to you guys about the challenge of single parenting and even if you're single without children I'm going to try to address some of your issues too out of God's Word because God has a lot to say about that start reading with me at Luke chapter 8 verse 4 and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city he spoke by a parable a sower went out to sow, and you know we're not talking about seamstresses here, we're talking about a farmer sowing seed. A farmer, a sower, went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. That means that what was invested returned a hundredfold payoff. The seed that was invested sprang up, and the fruitfulness was that great. When he said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if you were careful while we were reading through there, you noticed that there's not one thing in there about marriage. (laughs) And so I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm going to break a cardinal rule of, of biblical interpretation, and I'm going to take this passage out of context. But here's why. A parable is Jesus taking a commonly understood truth, something that's true, Something that people understand, something that's already part of their awareness and knowledge, and then laying it aside, a, a truth that he wants them to come to understand. So it builds a bridge from what they know to what they, he, what they can know. All right? So we start from Jesus telling us something that is true. True. If you want to, there's four, always. Now he's, he goes on and he talks about clearly to his disciples. He says, I'm talking about the soil of your heart, the condition of your heart, and the seed that I'm talking about is the word of God. And how, it, how your heart's soil is prepared for that, the seed of the word is going to um, affect what it can do in your life. You want to have good soil in your heart to receive the word of God so that it produces great fruit. That's, that being said, the story that he tells about a, uh, an orchard, a, a garden, a, a flower bed is true universally. There's always four types of soil that's available. There's soil that's been beaten down, trampled on, compressed, the wayside soil where what gets invested there, the seed that gets poured into there, can cannot penetrate or it gets stolen by the birds of the air. So what gets invested either gets trespassed on or stolen. Another kind of soil is the rocky soil. Soil where there might be initial springing up from the seed, but the roots can't go deep because there's rocks in the soil. Another type of soil is soil that has weeds, seed seeds of weeds (laughs) in it and by the way i do not understand weeds they're like everywhere have you figured this out i tried to replant my lawn one time and he put this stuff on it that's supposed to kill everything known to man in there as atomic or nuclear or something i don't know and you cover it over and it kills everything so you start from scratch you're supposed to start from scratch right so i i did that killed everything rolled up the tarp and and then I, i i bought this bag of grass seed and on it it said weed free biggest lie in the universe I spread that on my lawn and I see these little green shoots coming up one day and I'm thinking yes I am the man and then I find out that probably most of that green stuff coming up is weeds how does this happen I don't I don't understand but their soil is like that there can be soil like that that has weeds that grow up and choke off the good stuff. Another kind of soil is good soil. The kind that, that Jesus is pointing to in this parable. And, but but even, even good soil uh, it won't stay that way if it's not tended to. All right? So these things that Jesus has laid out for us here are universally true. They're true if you want to plant a tomato patch in your backyard. They're true if we're talking about your heart. It's true, and so it's. It's. Uh, I've already taken a whole lot longer than I should have with this little, uh, you know, preamble. But I just want to acknowledge the fact that I'm using a passage of scripture that's not specifically targeted to marriage, but it is universally true because Jesus said so. He was using a universal truth, and so it applies to your marriage and to the marriages of your your children, the people that you know. If They want a fruitful marriage. A marriage where what gets sown, the love, the tenderness, the um, investment into that marriage produces a hundredfold. And how many of you want that in your life? In your your friends' lives? Your kids' lives? Lots of hands went up. Let me ask you this. How badly do you want it? It's not gonna. It's not gonna happen just by a flip of the switch or a snap of the fingers, but it can happen, and Jesus promises that in this story. So let's just talk our way through this a little bit, and then I'll let you go home. I've already identified the four types of soil that Jesus was talking about, and the first one I want to address, <clears throat> uh, and I, uh, is the uh, the trampled down, the compressed soil, where. Uh, there has been trespassing. And what gets sown into it gets stolen. And I want to talk to you about how when we find that or to prohibit or to prevent that kind of soil from being present in a marriage, someone has to take the initiative to stake intentionally. Stake Intentionally, And what I mean by that is to, to mark it off. The boundaries of this, this place, this sacred place we call marriage. There's no trespassing allowed. If you want to keep the soil of your marriage from being compressed and compacted and pressed down so it's so hard, you're going to have to decide to mark its boundaries. And let's just talk about that for a little bit. You're going to need to stake it off from outside influences. Like career. Like recreation. I know a guy who lost his marriage over baseball. (sighs) Can you imagine? Because he let his love for baseball trespass on his marriage. Gave more time to that than to his marriage. Lost his marriage. Education, nothing wrong with I'm a great promoter of education and per people pursuing postgraduate and undergraduate work and all that. But dear one, if you want a fruitful marriage, you're going to have to mark the boundary. You, education and your educational pursuits can only go this far, no farther. Inside this boundary is a sacred place for me and my spouse alone. Kids, do you know your Kids. Can trespass on your marriage. Now, look, I've never done anything perfect in my entire life. I know that's a shock to some of you. (laughs) But there are a few things I've done right. And I'll tell you, one of the things I did right was when I got nose to nose with each one of my kids and I said, You come second. I love you with all my heart and there's nothing I would ever withhold from you. But you come second. Your mom comes first. And that's marking a boundary. As I know, we all know them. We know families where the kids are it. Every ounce of time and money and commitment goes to the kids. And then at the end of the day, when they're all gone, and trust me, they leave. (laughs) What's left? What's left? Church. I had to fire a youth pastor one time that served with me. And he was great. But I had to fire him not because he wasn't gifted, not because he wasn't uh, talented, not because he wasn't doing a great job, but because he let his ministry in the church encroach on his uh, marriage. Even after much counsel and my attempting to intervene in that and, and straighten it out, he couldn't let it go. He kept putting church before his wife and I for the sake of his marriage I had to do what I could to end that course sadly it wasn't I couldn't ultimately solve that and he continued that along that path and eventually lost his marriage we have to stake intentionally against outside influences how about sarcasm this is one of the things that that will trespass on a on a marriage Faster than almost anything else. When you start doing this sarcasm thing. You know how it is. When you joke with people about your spouse. I Look I've been guilty of it. But it will erode the fabric of your relationship. How about infidelity? I mean I, I suppose that kind of goes without saying. But when you, when you decide that something. Someone else. Is more important or more to your liking. And that includes fantasy, pornography, ways that we uh, extend beyond. And when we extend beyond the boundaries of our marriage, what we're doing is opening up that for trespass. It tramples down the soil of your marriage. Escape plans. There are people, in fact, um, not that long ago, I was counseling with a married woman who told me her very detailed escape plans. She was there to get some marital counsel. How do I be a better wife? How do, I, how do we make this marriage better? And uh, so we were talking about that, and she says, but you know, Pastor, if this doesn't work, here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And she had it all laid out. She knew where the, mon- where the money was coming from. Uh, she knew who she was going to, where she was going to go, who she was going to stay with, where she would get a job. She had the whole thing laid out. And if you have, here's another thing that we do. We reserve this thing. We reserve the right to throw the word divorce around. When you do, you're opening the door to trespass. I'm going to leave you. You do that, I'm going to leave you. You do that, I'm going to divorce you. No, I'm going to divorce you first. Yeah. Yeah. Draw a boundary. That word doesn't come into this space. That mindset doesn't come into this space. No trespassing here. The other type of soil that Jesus talked about, the rocky soil where the the, um, roots of the relationship can't go deep. To deal with that, you're going to have to decide to break diligently. First, we talked about stake intentionally. Break diligently. That hard stuff is going to have to get broken up. We all bring subterranean stuff into our marriages. And it usually doesn't show up until after wedding day. Right? Because we're all on our best behavior. We're living the dream. And then reality happens. Unresolved conflicts But, you know, this is all buried stuff, unresolved conflict, stuff that you didn't get resolved before the wedding, before the marriage, with other people will show up in how you talk to your spouse, how you treat them. Um, Previous uh, relationships, and that's why, you know, one of the reasons, there's a number of them, but that's one of the reasons why... Premarital, extramarital sex—that kind of stuff—really impacts the future of your marriage. We live in a culture that says, "Oh, that's no big deal." In fact, it's almost like practice. You know, sleep around, get some practice. <sighs> I, I've had parents—I've had parents say they want their kids to do that. Try it out. You know, don't go to the altar with somebody you're going to end up divorcing. Try this out first. Kick the tires a little bit, will you? Even if you end up with that person in marriage, you are bringing, more than you know, you're bringing baggage with you. I'm not here to point any fingers or to uh, make anyone feel bad. I'm just saying, look, let's, let's, I'm teaching through you. If you've made these kinds of mistakes, teach differently. By How you model What you say Because um, You In your marriage bed There's room for only two Don't bring others there In your mind In your record Your history Addictions Can be buried stuff That you know You're able Through the courtship And everything To put on And hide pretty well But then when you're actually, you know, married, that stuff shows up. Deal. Find a way to deal with it. Get counsel. Get deliverance. Um, but break up that stuff that's under the, under the soil that won't let the roots go deep. Financial problems. If you're a person who's dragging into your marriage debt or financial mismanagement or whatever, you can only hide that so long. Eventually, it's going to show up. The fact that it's there is not the issue. The fact that you don't deal with it is the issue. Deal with it in a godly way. Get godly counsel. Find Seek the Lord. He's there to help you. Materialism, sexual impurity, all this stuff is can be below the surface and affecting how deep the roots of your marriage can go. And then there's surface hardening. Because the, the, the soil that has rocks in it, it's not only the boulders that are under the surface, but it's the, the way that the surface can, of the soil can crust over for a lot of different reasons. But how that applies in our marriages is if we don't tend to the, if you don't take the, the, the plow to the soil every once in a while, if you don't stir things up, if you don't, and I don't mean pick a fight, but I mean, if you don't creatively keep things alive, they will f- quickly harden. Third kind of soil that Jesus talked about was the soil where the weeds came up and choked the life out of the seed or the, uh, the potential of the seed. And uh, so in our marriages, if we want to have soil that produces a hundredfold, we're going to need to weed vigorously. Vigorously. And one of the weeds that can grow up in your marriage is distrust. And you have, look, it almost always will happen. It's not, this is not news to anybody. This stuff happens. But when something happens that causes your partner, your spouse, to, to no longer be able to trust you as they once did, you have got to pull that thing out now. If you leave it, it will grow up and choke off the life of what God wants to invest in your marriage. Distrust must be dealt with and must be dealt with ruthlessly. And it takes two things simultaneously. The offending party must prove themselves faithful. The offended party must be willing to risk trusting again at the same time. There are few things tougher, but few things more rewarding than that selfishness you know where it starts to be about you pull that weed out Uh, competition you know what this is like well you got to do that so I get to do this you bought that so I buy this you make more money so I got to figure out how to make more money you know, this, this. pull it out. Comparison. This will choke off the life of what God wants to do in your marriage when you start allowing, well, if you were just a little bit more like Joe's wife. <laughs> huh? Oh, we cannot. You've got to pull that thing out by the roots. If it shows up, pull it out by the roots. Misunderstanding. Boy, look, misunderstandings will happen. Miscommunication happens. I, got, I was on a phone call with my son and daughter-in-law last night, and thankfully my son brought up something. He was willing to, talk, to confront me about something that, he, that had kind of bothered him, that I had said or done. And it was, it was a misunderstanding. But if you don't deal with it, if we didn't have that chance to talk it through and deal with it, who knows how that could have eroded my relationship with my son over time? Mis- misunderstandings will happen. Miscommunications will happen. Let's just decide that we're going to talk things through until we get it square. Pull that misunderstanding out. Don't just live with it. Finally, I want to talk to you about the, fi- the last of the soil conditions that Jesus referred to, the good soil. And I mentioned earlier that good soil... Uh, won't stay that way by itself. And so good soil needs to be fed faithfully, feed faithfully. How do we do that? Well, there's a couple of different overarching categories. One is spiritual intimacy, and please hear me on this. I honestly don't get this, I don't understand it. How two people can come together. And get totally naked with each other physically and feel absolutely comfortable until one of them says, Let's pray. I don't understand that at all. If you want to feed the soil of your marriage, pray together. I know, look, it's awkward. <laughs> If, it's, if it hasn't been your history, I know it's awkward. But somebody start. One of you start. Face the awkwardness. Stare it down. Do it. Now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> I pray my... Do something. <laughs> and watch that bloom. And that single effort. Feed. F- put... put nutrients into the soil of your marriage. Bible reading. Now look, Sue and I, I already said we don't do anything perfectly. And one of the things we don't do perfectly is we don't read the Bible together every day. But there are times we do. And we also make sure that there are uh, ongoing and regular occasions when we are exposed to the same passages of Scripture together at the same time, like we're doing right here, right now. We want to be together in the Word of God. Another way that we can feed our marriages out of spiritual intimacy is God talk. Is in the conversation between you and your spouse, is there just talk about God? How you're angry with him today. What great things he's done for you today. You don't understand this about him today. Just in the ebb and flow of your life that that God is not a stranger to the conversation. He comes up and he comes up frequently. Fellowship, where you are with other believers, other believing couples on a frequent, regular basis so that you can encourage one another because we're all struggling with this thing called marriage that is so worth it but so hard so valuable and yet so opposed we can use all the support we can get spiritual intimacy also has to do with finding a way to minister together serving the Lord together like many of you do with our children's ministry husbands and wives serving together uh, like uh, Rick and Ruthie we talked about earlier uh, went to Cambodia together last year Um, ways to be serving God together spiritual intimacy and finally how you feed your your uh the soil of your relationship spiritual min- uh, intimacy and then investments and what i mean by that is time money and creativity the most precious thing you have is time and how much of it are you investing into your marriage <clears throat> You know, Sue and I are busy. So are you. But how can I withhold from her the thing that's most precious in my life? Time. How can I do that and then stay married to her? (laughs) Or have a good marriage? I can't. I've got to find a way to invest time. And I know, look, I know what it's like. We know what it's like to have three kids under the age of five at home. (laughs) <laughs> what's that <laughs> never heard of that thing but you have to sometimes it was just one of the I mean again we didn't we don't do anything perfectly but one of the things I know we did right is through our, our whole married life and it continues to this day at least once each week we set aside time just to be together with no, no other agenda Now, in our early days when we had no money and we had kids at home, sometimes all it was was to get the neighbor girl to come over and watch our kids for 20 minutes while we walked around the block together. That was it. But it makes a difference. It's investing time. Money. I've joked about this before, but um, maybe it's not a joking matter. Some of us have invested more money and the TV screen hanging on your wall than you have in your marriage in the last year. It shouldn't be brothers and sisters. I made it a I made it a goal throughout my life and I've done pretty well with it to every year annually at least once each year to read through a book, attend a seminar, listen to some videos, do something to invest in. That costs money but invest in that uh, for the sake of making me a better husband. Sometimes Susan are with me and we, you know, things we do together, conference we'll attend or something, but it's for me. Creativity. Creativity. The, the, the creativity in this room is unbelievable. Lurking under the surface of every one of your faces today is an explosive potential of creat- creativity. And if we harness that for the sake not I almost said for the sake of your marriage it's really for the sake of the kingdom of God because if the if you if you harness that and employ that in the sa- for the sake of your marriage it, it it is for the sake of the kingdom of God. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But I talked about creativity and and how you do that, you know. I mean talked about our little 20-minute walks around the block that Sue and I would take. It was just a creative way to solve the problem. How do we spend time together? Um, Another one of the creative things that... uh, It's funny because it has meant... Sue, you've probably even... Many of you probably have even heard Sue talk about this before. I think it was only happened probably twice, and yet out of our almost 38 years of marriage, it's still vivid in her mind where I showed up, I came home from work, showed up at home and said, Honey, I've already packed your bag. I've already got a sitter. You and I are going one mile down the road and spending a night at a hotel. It probably only happened twice, and yet today it's still... I still get uh, credit for that. (laughs) Just creatively solving a problem. We didn't have time to go out of town. We didn't have money to go out of town. But we solved a problem creatively. Now I said I would come back to that thing. Because it really is about the kingdom of God. This is, I mean, I want you to have a flourishing hundredfold producing fruitful marriage. I want that too. I want your kids to to experience that. I want your friends to experience that. But really it's about the kingdom of God. Paul said that he said when you guys when husbands love wives and wives submit to husbands and there's this whole I don't even go into all that but when you make this marriage thing he said I'm talking about a mystery because the love of God is revealed in that the success and fruitfulness of your married life is about the kingdom of God the stakes are high dear ones it's very high you love each other, the world sees the love of Jesus.